0: Welcome back to the Six Ranch Podcast. On today's episode, I have my good friend Bam Bam, aka Brian Marshall, out of Boise, Idaho. Bam was in the Marine Corps and he's hunted professionally and he works in the outdoor industry now. Super good guy. Give you the shirt off of his back. He started an incredibly powerful nonprofit to help wounded veterans get back into the woods and on the waters, back into school, keep them in houses. This guy's done some amazing stuff, and he's a complete wild man, but he knows exactly what he's talking about when it comes to clothing that you need to survive, and, uh, and even beyond surviving, he doesn't mind being comfortable while he's doing it. So, without further ado, Bam Bam. Bam, what is the difference between civilian clothing and military clothing?
1: Oh God, that's a loaded question, buddy. Off the top of my head, I would say civilian clothing probably has, uh, a lot more love and care put into it than military clothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a mass produced, just a number of things. People actually probably, um, put a little R and D into civilian clothes and, and like how they, how it feels or it wears <laughs> rather than just putting out a, uh, a piece of product for, for the numbers.
0: Yeah. If you can find, I will say this, if you can find a piece of gear that is used by both civilians and the military, then that thing's going to pass muster everywhere.
1: Oh, hundred percent. I mean, there are some, but I mean, you, you take back up on that, that's made, you know, that works for civilian and military. It's usually created by civilians that the military ad- adopts and picks up you know so then you go that route that's just then, then you get the comforts you're like man there's actually so this is this makes sense instead of just wearing a Nomex suit that's made for a, a midget that they put in a guy that's 6'3 280 pounds and it you can't even move in it so
0: yeah i, I get it. did you guys have the blast panties do you remember those things the ballistic underwear
1: we didn't. Thank God. They talked about uh, well, was having to wear those, and I was like, I'll I'll take a shot to the nuts before I wear some blast panties and <laughs> the shoulder pads and all that stuff. the army was wearing. I remember I remember we were we were right outside of Ramadi, and it was called Camp Tombstone, and uh, we had this army convoy rolling through, and they stopped into the fuel up real quick. We're all standing out there. These guys get out. I'm talking like full shoulder pads and legs and armor and all this stuff. And we're looking at these guys like, what the hell is that? Like, never seen any of this gear in my life. Like they've never even offered any of this protection to us. <laughs> you know, the army guy looks at him, he's like, Hey man, and I'm like, What's up? He's like, Where do you all piss around here? And I was like, uh, in those tubes. And he's like, What do you mean? And I go, You piss the tubes that are in the ground. He's like, no, seriously. And I was like, wait, where do you guys piss? Like, I thought it was normal. Like, you know, did you piss in a tube in the ground? <laughs> They're like, oh, we piss in, in toilets and in, in urinals? And I was like, get out of here, bro. Don't even bother me with this. And this guy was so short, he couldn't piss in the tube. So he had he was walking around the, the fob trying to find rocks and stuff. And he finally got a couple of rocks and a couple ammo cans and had to stack them. And he was still on his tippy toes trying to pee in his tube in the ground but I'm sure 90% of people have no idea what I'm talking about, but yeah, it was good times.
0: Yeah, definitely dude. Some of the stuff that we had to wear and then like some of the restrictions, like you could only wear, you know, your watch cap or your beanie. If it was dark outside, like what if it's cold during the day, you know, like this is crazy. I'll never forget. We're on the rifle range and you know,
1: especially you being an officer, you guys can't plan for. So. It was one of those things where we're there at like three thirty four in the morning. No idea why. It doesn't even get light out till 7, 8 o'clock. And I'm standing there, and obviously I was, I was stationed on Pendleton, so you have that morning dew, you know, like that mist that comes in. And it is freezing, man. It's the middle of winter. But, I mean, it's just cold. You're standing there in just your camis. And I got my hands in my pocket, and I got a fleece on. I swear to God, this dude like repelled out of the sky. I don't even know where he came from. And this dude just like knife-hands <laughs> me and likes me out like hey, – you cold? And I'm like, yes, I'm freezing. Like, are you not? Like, that was my response <laughs> to him. And he was like, what the you did? don't choose my ass. And I was like, God, like, you asked me a question. I answered it. You can't get mad at me for that. Like, yeah, I'm cold. Like, I don't care. I'm human. At the end of the day, I am cold and I'm standing here. Like, let me put my hands in my pockets. But yeah, I remember, I remember being in Al-Assad over in Iraq and it was cold, man. And we'd get back from operating like two or three weeks. We'd come back to resupply. I mean, we're covered in just just crap, you know, just nasty and freaking diesel and you name it, every fluid's on you. And we would go to the run to the chow hall real quick because that army chow hall had these hua bars, these army like apple cinnamon hua bars. I don't know if you had those when you were there. And we would run over there with a grenade box and we'd fill this grenade box full of uh, brown sugar pop tarts and those hula bars is like a snack because while we were eating it was mre's and it was so good and i'll never forget these sergeant majors would stand outside of the chow hall just like knife handing people uh, as they came out and here we come like no shaves like no rank on with beanies out in the middle of the day oh my god i got lifed out on that one i'm talking about, it felt like i was back at boot camp but i just i just took that one on the chin you have to at that point
0: Yeah, it's just crazy. You know, one of the cold water obstacles that I had to do, um, we had to crawl through these ditches that had barbed wire over the top of them and like a bunch of dumb stuff. And you had to pop out occasionally and try and get your gun to work, which it wouldn't because it's firing blanks and it's all muddy and frozen now. But they'd literally gone out and chopped all of the ice out of these things with uh, splitting mauls and sledgehammers because they were completely frozen and we couldn't do the obstacle if it was just ice. So it was really cold and we had to stand there and you know, you're just in your blouse and your trousers absolutely freezing to death. And we stood there for like 45 minutes before it was our turn to go through this obstacle. And there was a kid in my group, who had been an NCAA national champion cross country runner. And he was a rabbit. He was running a three mile and like 14 minutes flat, but he had 0% body fat. And he legitimately had a heart attack after he went through that. Cause he got so cold. And it's like, this is the wrong clothing for us to be wearing. Like there's stuff out there that we could do this them.
1: I remember sitting on a post in the middle of the night in Iraq. Right. And I mean, it's, at one two in the morning and it was imagine like a like a 70 foot tall ant hill it was like this random hill that just went straight up look just like a, a, a big old or ant mound right and we built a a, a a overwatch a post on the top of this thing we would sit up there in the middle of the night and I, dude your water bottles would be frozen solid after like a two-hour shift up there all we, we we were so cold at one point dude we were so cold my buddy and i got in the same sleeping bag we put a poncho over us and we what we would do is we'd mix diesel in sand to make the right consistency, and we'd light it on fire, put the poncho over us just to create some warmth. It was, dude, we could have just got our th- throat slit and been perfectly fine with it on that post. It was that miserable. And we would come out of that post, I mean, dude, and there was like soot pouring out of your nose. Like you were coughing up black chunks from breathing just <laughs> diesel fuel. It was so and it's just like, I was just, it's, it's, those are those moments in your life, and it's like, I should have gone to college, or I should, I should have just I like you know, one of those moments. But it's trust me, man. If you join the military, you have those come to Jesus moments with like that. I wish we had just had some of just a nice piece of a nice jacket would have been would have been great for us.
0: Yep. Well, and then you compare that with now, where you know you and I are, are both hunting professionally, working in the, in the outdoor industry. Both of us are guiding and there are a million options for clothing to keep you, you know, comfortable or effective or whatever your goal is for a lot of weather conditions. And if somebody, you know, say they're changing brands or they're just getting into it and, you know, they're used to shopping at, you know, REI or Trader Joe's or wherever the heck they get their stuff from, like it can be overwhelming. But the reality is the the kit that you need to be effective in 98 percent of the hunting conditions that you'll ever see is fairly basic so i just want to take some time and go over that with you today and like let's start with you know hot weather hunting archery season early season you know what kind of gear are you actually wearing oh man that's a good really good
1: question like I mean obviously, it really varies, but in and like you said, man, I get questions all the time on my social media and like I'm no professional, I've no like I'm avid hunter outdoorsman, but you know there's obviously some guys out there that know every piece of gear and and the, the just they can name every every little thing and it almost gets overwhelming because I'll listen to some of these podcasts and and these guys will be listing off gear. And I'm like, what the hell are they even What is that? You know, like, and me and myself, like, I live in the mountains. And I'm just like, I had no idea. I've never even considered stuff. And it almost gets kind of overwhelming. But, like, for me, I try to keep it as basic as possible, man. Like, for early season, I'll run, like, for elk, I always have, like, a base layer with me, like a marina wool layer. I, I'm a huge marina wool guy. You know, it's it's one of those things I don't think people appreciate it until you actually need it or you had to use it or borrow it when you're on a hunt. And, you know, even though it might be hot, I'll go with like a thin merino layer one because I'm a sweater. I'm a stinky dude when I'm on the mountain. For some reason, it's just for me, I can wear those for several days at a time and I have to worry about the funk. Um, but that's what I usually start with. Then I really like like a lightweight, um, like a polyester shirt. And that's when the heat, when it heats up, starts getting those midday temperatures. I like to be able to switch into that because it's extremely breathable for me. And it's really light, like it packs, it's really, um, packable, doesn't take up much space. I mean, the weight on it is nothing. So, you know, that's kind of like my go-to, especially if you're, you know, like I said, I'm a big, I know you're a big guy. And so, you know, you're, you're just putting on miles, I'm, dude, I sweat all day. And so with like a polyester, shirt, sure, I can try to stay away from cotton as much as possible. I, I absolutely do not wear cotton. And with the polyester it that if it, if I do work up sweat, gets drenched, I can hang it in a tree with just a little bit of a breeze and those things dry out so fast. I mean, it's one of those things you stop and take a lunch break or, you know, tuck up underneath a tree and just sitting there on you and you're not moving. I mean, dude, it, it, it'll dry out. No problem. Like those are my tops you know what i what i prefer um for the warm weather warmer days you know especially i like like a real lightweight almost like a fishing style shirt but in camo that has a hood on it that way if you're you know for the days of your glass and like especially for antelope hunts you're just you're trying to find that buck in high country and you're sitting on a rock nowhere you're going to be in shade it's always good to have you know the type of shirt that'll have a hood on it or at least get get you out of the sun a little bit it's kind of what I, I really turned toward in those, that type of season.
0: And a little bit of sun protection is really important, not just from a comfort standpoint, but from a health standpoint, like skin cancer is a real deal. And I heard a lady say the other day, just talking to a tourist that had just showed up and gotten torched out on the beach of the lake or whatever. And they're like, well, you know, you get sunburnt more here cause you're closer to the sun because it's higher elevation. Like that's, such bogus. So I'm going to squash that one right now in case somebody else actually believes this. If you're at higher elevation, there's less atmosphere to filter out ultraviolet rays, which cause radiation and sunburn. All right. So it's not because you're 2000 feet closer to the sun. That's a kajillion miles away. It is because there's a little bit less atmosphere to filter out that UV. And if you're on a high altitude buck hunt or whatever like you've got to protect yourself otherwise you can really get hurt
1: no and that's and that's i mean that's funny i mean i've always heard and it's like man you mean tell me 1500 feet in elevation i'm that much closer to the sun like you know come on but no especially like i really like the shirts that have a upf you know block in them because for that exact reason and the last thing you want to do is be on a three or four day hunt in high country or more and you get fried sitting like your back's just burned sitting in the sun all day then now you got to deal with it. it just one of those extra things that just you want to be as comfortable as possible. Some guys I know like yourself like the push to those max. You know you want you want to know your limits, which great. But me, I I like to come in and 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 be comfortable as possible on those types of hunts.
0: <laughs> so if you if you are out there for a couple of days and you're wearing synthetics and they get all funky and smelly because there's a bunch of bacteria building up in them, what are your options? I mean, can you wash stuff in the backcountry? Is that even possible?
1: I. I honestly do like I don't I won't bring like soap or anything like that in unless I you know, obviously, I I try to cut down on as much weight as possible. But I've honestly like I'm one of those guys whenever I'm stopped, or I know I'm gonna have some downtime, I am shoes off socks off shirt off like I'm trying to absorb some sun when I can kind of dry out my body as much as I can but I'll take those polyester shirts I really don't do it with my merinos as much but you you can it just take longer to dry I mean if I have a lot of downtime and I know I could wring them out and get them in the sun all day if I'm not going to need them I'll do it but those polyester shirts I'll dunk those in that sand and rub them in rocks and I'll just rub you know like old school bend over a creek and scrub them with your hand kind of deal just to get the funk out of them and, and get them fresh again. And then I'll throw in a bush or even if it's hot, I'll put it right back on with that nice cool water on it. And I mean, I'll often go in again, you know, and I, I do that constantly every year, wherever I'm at, obviously, you know, if you don't have a stream or anything, you're just kind of more hunting. Real high elevation you're just looking for seeps in the ground like you don't have that option but you know i've definitely washed a lot of my clothes i've washed a lot of socks in creeks and stick them on trekking poles and let them dry during the day
0: you know i've done it all one of the sources for information that i really like for backcountry hunting is not a hunting book or, or source of information at all it comes from the books that are written about people who are traveling on these long cross-country trails like the appalachian trail yep. the pacific crest trail continental divide trail and like if you want to learn how to get weight out of your pack and how to get the most out of your gear look at the people who are spending you know six months walking 3,000 miles like they learn
1: exactly.
0: and one of the things that those guys do is they take a big clothes pin and they put it on the back of their pack and every time they cross a crick they change socks so they'll bring two pairs of socks they come to the crick They take their socks off, wash them, put them on the clothespin so they can dry, put the fresh dry pair on and they can walk all the way across the freaking country doing that. It's really amazing. So that's something that I do now is I keep a big clothespin on my pack and uh, I can wash my clothes and then have, you know, a mobile drying rack, which is my backpack as I go. And it's really not that hard to do no man it's funny
1: you say that i used to actually work on a project when i was in the utility world and we were on the pacific crest trail uh in the angeles crest forest and we would we'd have hikers all day coming through our job sites or we'd run into they i mean they would be sleeping on our roads in the middle of the night we almost ran a bunch of them over one time but man we'd pull up to these 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 hikers and i mean i'll tell you what like i'd be like hey do you guys need anything you have any trash and i'd be like Oh yeah, I, I have trash. And you just see this look on their face like, Oh man, I'm just going to, I'm going to get rid of so much weight right now. And the guy would pull like a granola wrapper out of his pocket and hand it to me because he didn't want that much. Like he didn't want to deal with it. i be like, you guys, like you need water. You need to chug some real quick. But I mean, those, they have it down. I mean, from the walk from Canada to Mexico. I mean, it, it, you gotta be smart about it, but yeah, I mean, you got a great point there. I would we would see these guys and they would just get rid of anything they could at any point. I mean, if it came down to a granola wrapper, they were literally like a gum wrapper, like, please, can you guys take this trash off me? We're like, yeah, cool. Like keep going. So yeah, those would definitely be the ones that I would listen to.
0: (laughs) Okay. So once the weather cools down a little bit, how is your system going to change? So which one thing
1: I like to carry that kind of, goes from that cooler mornings, maybe it warms up in the day and cools down the evenings, or do you just have those cold fronts that roll through? I like to bring like a like a nice grid fleece hoodie. You know, I'm a hoodie guy. Some guys aren't, but me personally, if I have the option of buying anything that has a hood option on it, I go with it every time. I hate a cold neck. I hate cold ears and a head if I could just have that comfort. But that's one of those things that I I'll try to transition to. When it's not quite cold, but it's not the warm days and you're just, you know, you, but you're going to work up that body temperature of hiking and doing that. I like to go with a nice, not a big, you know, just heavy duty hoodie, like more of a grid fleece thinner hoodie. That way you can layer it. You put that on with a merino wool underneath. And I mean, I'm usually good to go for the majority of most of the days out there is, is, is what I really like to fall back on.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way. So as soon as I go from a Merino base layer, I'm going straight to a grid fleece. It's kind of my next step up. And, you know, if I'm early archery season, I like pants that are really, really lightweight. And sure, they're going to tear a little bit more easily, but they're lightweight. So there's a give and take with everything. But I want to be able to feel the wind hitting my body. And something that you and I have talked about before is the story you always hear from elk hunters or deer hunters or whatever is like, all of a sudden I felt the wind on the back of my neck and it was over. It's like, that's, if that's the only exposed piece of skin you have, then you're really missing out on using your skin as a sensory organ. Your skin is the largest organ in your body. So if you can feel the wind hitting your whole body through like a you know, jersey style polyester shirt or some really thin pants that let wind get in and and help evaporate that sweat off of you, then maybe you felt that win 30 seconds earlier and can make the move to get away and, and move around that animal so that, you know, maybe now you've got a chance, just something to think about.
1: I'm, I'm a big, big believer in that. I mean, one of the, I, I mean, I'm sure every single hunter that's has any time in the mountains has a story about, you know, being third. I mean, last year I was 30 yards from probably the biggest bull I've ever been on in my life. And, I was, it was, I had a full jacket and pants on and uh, the whole wind on the back of the year. But if I would have had a lighter system on and been able to shift that, I mean, who knows, I could have dropped back off the side of this face that I came up and maybe have been able to close from underneath instead of being, you know, in the path of the wind. And so it really screwed me. But I love, like, like you said, you know, I, I like a light, lightweight pant. That's extremely just kind of stretchy and breathable. That way, like, if you do stop, you're not just – I mean, I've there's times where, you know, I'll have a thicker pair of pants on for warmer days. And, like, my legs are just drenched, like, <laughs> soaked from top to bottom from just sweating. So, like, I've really tried to switch over and find that happy medium of a lightweight pant. But, like you said, they do. I've torn them. You know, it's one of those things you sacrifice. Like, okay, am I going to be hot, sweaty for, you know, a little bit more of a durable pant? Or I want to be really comfortable be able to read the weather, the wind. And you know, be able to dry things quicker. And so it's it's a happy medium with, when it comes to pants on that for sure. You just gotta find that find yeah. that that point that you like.
0: And are you moving or are you sitting? You know, if it's if you're moving, if you're h- actively hiking, you can get away with, you know, wearing a t shirt and still be perfectly warm. There's a lot of days when it's fifteen degrees outside in the wintertime and I'm splitting firewood in a in a t shirt and I'm still sweating because yep. my body's generating a bunch of energy. So, I mean, once you, uh, once you move on from that, like, let's say it gets one click colder and that grid fleece isn't cutting it anymore. What's the next layer you're putting on?
1: Well, honestly, for me, preference wise, I love like a puffy jacket, a, a down jacket. It's one of those things that it's probably in my top three to top four pieces of gear that I always have on me. I mean, I've, this was my come to Jesus moment. I was trying to finish my grand slam for Turkey. I was hunting in California. Right. And it's like, looked at the weather report, 75 degrees all week. We're going to be on this ranch. It was literally like this historical old cowboy ranch where there were shootouts in this house. Like it was the coolest place I've ever hunted. But I look at the weather report. It's supposed to be 75 every day. Nice. We rolled out and we were like, we're miles from this camp. I mean, it was a huge ranch. All of a sudden, like I'm in a t-shirt and pants and, this storm rolls in. I mean, it was the, the snowflakes the size of my hand. I mean, and I am just drenched, freezing cold. I gave, Bert was with me. I gave her my my actual jacket and that I had, but I mean, dude, I was damn near hypothermic by the time we got back to the camp. And I was like, I will never make that mistake again. And the first thing I went out and did is I bought a like a down jacket. And so my that's been my go-to ever since. And what I'll do with that down jacket is I literally will roll my jacket into the hood of itself, and I stuff it in the bottom of my pack and it stays there ever since. And I've had those moments where it was sunny when I left the house. We got up on the mountain. All of a sudden it's just a black wall coming and that temperature drops. And I'll pull that, that, uh, my puffy out and I'm good. Like I've never had any issues. So like, that's kind of like when I start to transition to cooler weather, but I'll still have it with me 99% of the time. But just for those nights or those days where you get caught on the mountain or you know it's going to be cold. I love a down jacket, like a puffy jacket. They don't weigh much. They compress pretty tight. That's just, that's a big go-to for me.
0: Yeah. And they make an awesome pillow for when you're sleeping out, you know, if you're spending a a night out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't ever really bring that up because people always look at me weird, but I use mine every I literally, if I'm, even if it's September and I'm elk hunting backcountry and it's 90 degrees out, like that'll be in my pack, but that's my pillow every single night. Like legitimately, I, everybody, anybody I've hunted with, they can vouch for it. I pull my puffy jacket out and I'll sleep on it every night.
0: So that's kind of an interesting piece of kit, and it's outside of this uh, this conversation, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. I used to get all these like camp inflatable pillows that you know they'd break down to like half the size of a beer can, and inevitably they'd pop, and then just leave you in a state of permanently pissed off. So I found one this year that is just a fleece pocket with a zipper. So you cram your clothes into it, and then you've got this nice soft fleece, and it can't pop because you're just filling it with the extra stuff that you brought, and that is okay. like the Yeah, that's been a big game changer pillow department thing for me this year. So I'm pretty, pretty jacked up about it. And I'm, I'm with you all the way on, on the, uh, on the down hoodie. Synthetics definitely have their place. You know, if you think that you're going to get sporadic rain or something like that, and you don't want to bring a rain jacket or a shell, um, synthetics can help you out a little bit. But I love how much down compresses and how much it lofts. And I usually go for one that has a little bit heavier weight in the actual nylon that holds it down in Mm -hmm. some of these companies that are like obsessed with lightweight, you know, that, that shell that holds it down gets brittle and it gets holes in it and you just leak feathers everywhere you go and you end up basically getting covered in duct tape. It's like, this is stupid. You know, I wish it would have weighed an extra four ounces to start with. So I didn't have to deal with this.
1: Oh yeah. And then, then if you got a beard or in your truck, I mean those feathers for the next year that you're wearing that thing are just, uh, I, I got ran through a tree a couple of years ago on, we were doing a backcountry hunt on horses and this horse hated me and every damn pine tree would walk by. I mean, I would be, I'd have its head pulled in the complete opposite direction. It would go straight in the pine trees, like trying to pull me off of it and it shredded my puffy jacket. I mean, I still wear it because I love it, but yeah, I mean, every time I'd sit down or move it just poof feathers all my face or up my nose but I get it. But yeah, it's definitely one of those pieces of gear I can't
0: live without. Yeah, um, I had one from Kuyu. It was, it was a fine jacket. It was like a Super Down Pro or whatever. Very. It was expensive as hell. But I called it my wind indicator jacket because all I had to do was like ruffle my shoulders a little bit and feathers would leak everywhere, and I'd know which way the wind was going. <laughs> but that's kind of an expensive way to go about which way
1: the wind's blowing. Well, think about now. There's companies that make just for four puffy jackets so there there we I've found some patches that um that you know match camo patterns and things like that that you can slap over those holes now which is good.
0: Oh, that's nice. All right. So, you know, now we're probably in that, you know, below 20 degrees and adding wind and precep if we need to go beyond merino grid fleece puffy jacket. So, your outside layer what are you doing for that, for, for that wind and weather barrier?
1: I mean, so there's, I run a, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a lot of people do it. So I'll either have like a heavy duty insulated jacket. You're, I'm talking, you know, especially from late winter, you know, if you're worried about wind, rain, sleet, any of that, or if you're just sitting down and you know, you're going to be, you know, on the ground for a little bit and don't want to worry about getting wet, I'll run like a really heavy duty jacket if i know i'm not going to be doing a lot of hiking and a lot of moving um but i'll be honest with you man what i've found myself doing is finding like a real lightweight rain pant and jacket just like if we're going to stop and have the glass or sit i'll run a heavier a thicker pant not like a real heavy heavy you know late winter gear but this is for when i'm being mobile i'll run like a a medium weight pant but then i'll bring a rain set with me my lightweight rain gear so if we stop we're doing glass and i'll actually put that on and act as a windbreaker plus waterproof and so that way i'm sitting on the ground i don't have to worry about that snow melting getting on you know getting the back of your legs and butt all wet or if you're just kneeling down or resting taking a knee and you're you know sitting your elbow on the ground i'll put a top on and so that's kind of if i want to stay light but I know if like we're just we're gonna be going to a peak and we're gonna be glass and or sitting there all day or stand hunting, I go with like one of you know a really heavy duty insulated jacket that's waterproof and windproof and i and you know if I'm gonna be doing you know late season a lot of just spot you know spot and stock that's when I'll go with a little bit of a lighter option with the rain gear if I need to stop or anything like that and that's just me you know I kind of try to keep it different like that um in lighter in different ways so i I mean obviously everybody's got their own opinion on how they would want to do it but there's there's just so many varieties out there but I think for like cost efficient and just being cheap you don't I don't I don't need to get the heavy real heavy duty pants uh you know unless I'm going to be sitting doing a lot of like whitetail hunting and sitting in stands when it's just miserable out so that's kind of my option with that
0: Yeah I'm I'm a lot the same way if I'm going to be packing rain gear just like in case then I definitely want the lightest stuff I can get and I'm probably not going to be moving around in it very much if I'm wearing that but You know, I do tend to go for the little bit heavier fabric. I do stay away from uh, Gore-Tex because every piece of Gore-Tex I've ever owned has failed me basically as soon as that um, DWR finish comes off. And if you're wearing it very much man, you just get wet in them and they're they're crazy expensive. And it's it's such a bummer that, you know, you have this honeymoon phase where it's like, oh, look at the water beat up and fall off. And then, you know, the next season or the next month, if you keep wearing it, all of a sudden you're just drenched in your elbows and your shoulders and down your back. And it's like, I just wasted 400 freaking dollars. This is crazy. So I like the, yeah. some of the more advanced stuff, like, like the shoulder fat hat fabric. Have you been around that stuff? Shoulder?
1: Shoulders are great. Dude. Shoulders is great. So it's one of those things, like I'm just getting into that and running that gear this year to start last fall into this spring. And man, I'm telling you what, that's an absolute game changer. It's one of those things and how like I've had people ask me because I, this, I've, you know, we killed a few bears this spring and I was wearing it and I had a lot of people reach out. And it's one of those things where it's a type of material and this is how we explain it. Like it's almost like a pine cone. When that fabric gets warm, it allows it to breathe. But then when you cools down and you stop moving and that fabric goes back to its retention and and, and the tightness. And, and so it actually will hold um, your body heat when you need it to. And then as far as like the rain gear, mind blowing. I mean, I've run it for a full season. I mean, I, I, I'd I like to say that I, I, I'm out a lot more than the average guy. And I mean, I've run gear that was the, the shorter fabric that was water resistant. And I sat in a torrential downpour rain this spring with Britt when she killed her bear. I mean, this is supposed to be just water resistant gear, not waterproof. And I sat there for four and a half, almost five hours just getting jumped on. And I mean, literally the only spots that I had were under my armpits where it leaked a little bit, but I mean, for a water resistant pant and top, you, I couldn't beat it. I mean, I was blown away by the performance of that gear. And so, I mean, I was, I was instantly sold on it. And that wasn't even the rain gear. That was just the average in between line. And, you know, it just marketed as water resistant. I was like, all right, I want to put this to the test and see how it actually works. And I mean, I was blown away by it.
0: And that's one of those situations where if you were getting wet inside your gear, you're not going to sit there for that long. You're going to be like, all right, we'll come back another day. This isn't happening. But because you sat there and were able to comfortably, then your wife ended up killing an awesome bear.
1: No, and that that was it. And like, I I knew it was going to be one of those miserable nights. I knew we were going to get wet. And I told her, I was like, and I actually was like, here's my jack, my actual rain jacket yeah which i've ordered one now cuz i've you know wanted to make sure she had the proper gear but um yeah i wanted to prove it you know i was i'm sitting here and i'm going to be wearing it and i'm going to have people asking me questions on what i think of it i was like i i want to run my gear to the absolute max i mean uh, to be able to just sit literally you know we're sitting on a bait but on this hillside we're we're pretty open i mean and i was just down i'm talking just downpour man i was like a a hurricane up there on the mountain and it was miserable and i just looked at it i was like god please this, this can just stop any minute and as soon as it you eventually stopped raining and that bear stepped out and she hammered it but yeah i was i was really impressed by that gear
0: so there's an easy way to test your gear if you're wondering about it and the time to find out is not when you're you know 8 miles back and you can't even make it to the truck that day so if you think that your gear may or may not be waterproof throw that stuff on and go stand in your shower and put it on blast on cold and, and stand there. And if you can make it 15 minutes and you're still dry, you've got a good piece of gear. If you're wet, you don't. So now, you know, in the comfort of your own home, whether your stuff is going to work or not. And you know, if, if you can't tolerate that, then you probably need to think about either completely staying out of the woods if that's even a possibility or getting some better gear if you feel like you might get caught out in that, and you want to be able to stay effective while you're in that condition.
1: Exactly. That's and I've run in the guys and like I've had you know, especially being a guide, I've had clients show up on hunts that they had. They, I mean, it was I was mind blown by the gear they showed up with. And it was it was nothing on them. They just weren't educated, or they thought um, you know that it was their proper gear. Like I had a guy reach out to me earlier this year. Not really, I'd say it's probably about two months ago, and he's going on a moose hunt this year, and he, he's he had some questions on gear and and he I told him to send me what he had and I mean i was dude i I was like, thank God you reached out man, you're gonna be the most – it was a fourteen day um float trip moose hunt, and I was like, listen man, like i wouldn't you couldn't pay me to wear that gear' To Alaska on a 14 day hunt. He was like, Well, why? And he was so set in his mind because it was waterproof, but it was like a fleece, heavy duty fleece top and bottom. And that was it. And I was like, Man, like, you're once that gets wet, which it will, even though it's a waterproof jacket, 14 days in Alaska. I mean, it does. I don't care what waterproof gear you're in, unless you're in like a fishing suit, you know, those rubber (laughs) offshore fishing suits, you're eventually going to wear it's eventually going to, you know, seep a little bit. And What's that? And he just, he just wasn't prepared for it. And I was like, man, you need to, you should honestly, and I told him the same thing. I'm like, if you don't want to stay in your shower, just put it on a rack and put a sprinkler system on it and just hose that thing down for 30, 40 minutes and see or longer. And, and so and he, he ended up messaging me back. He's like, man, you're completely right. Like it ended up seeping through. I was like, yeah, try drying that in Alaska you know, doing a float trip. And so it's just it's nice to test your gear out. I mean, if he never would have reached out to me, I'm sure he would have had the most miserable hunt of his life.
0: Yeah. And probably would have been paying a bunch of extra money to get a float plane in there and get him out early and ruin his hunt.
1: Hmm. Exactly. All that money was, would have been flushed. Hopefully it wouldn't have been flushed. I'd like to see, you know, everybody be successful, but I mean, there's so, I mean, I hear so many stories like that. These guys just show up and they have no idea. They're not prepared. They don't test their gear out. And they, they end up getting caught with their pants down on the mountain. And it's like they end up having to leave early of this once in a lifetime hunt, or they just were miserable the whole time, or they got to come back to town and get proper gear. And it's just, it's, yeah, I'm a big, firm believer on whatever you get. And if you know it's going to fit you, test it out. You know, run it through the ringer, put it on in, in the conditions, or if you don't have and can't wait, like you said, get in the shower or hose that thing down and see how it works out.
0: What about gloves and uh, gloves and hats?
1: So I actually get this question quite a bit, which is so random because I've never asked anybody, but I'm a mitten guy. So I get really my fingers and my toes. I, for some reason, are always just cold, but I love a good mitten. <laughs> and so I I don't know what it is. I just well I know what it from being a kid in upstate New York and ice fishing and snowmobiling and the frozen tundra up there, we always had these big um there we we got them at the Army surplus store when we were kids it had like a beaver top on them and they were green and there were these big heavy duty mittens and like I grew up with mittens it's all we ran like on snowmobiling and ice fishing and all that and running traps and all that so you know it was one of those things so now I prefer a mitten, but I really like the mittens that you can fold back so you can still use your fingers and have you know the feel and everything. But I mean, it just, it's just a, that's a hunter's preference for me. I have, you know, I'll have some guys reach out and they're like, what do you run for a glove? And I tell them, in they're like, I would never wear a mitten. I'm like, oh God, okay. Like, you know, I didn't know that was, I guess it's like a new <laughs> No, We, got a, we got a
0: tough guy. We got a tough guy here.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, I don't have fingertips, buddy. Like, you know, but yeah, it's like admitting you drink white claws to, in the hunting camp. So they just look down at you, I guess, if you got mittens on. But no, I'm a big <laughs> mitten guy. And I, I love a good fleece beanie. I just, I travel everywhere with a beanie. That's why I wear, I buy hoods on everything because I hate cold ears and head. But yeah, I I always have a set of gloves, lightweight gloves for obviously, you know, your September timeframe, maybe beginning October. But when it starts cooling off, I definitely switch to a, a mitten style glove. Don't judge me, James. Yeah.
0: No, dude, I wear them too. Um, and I like the ones that have like a tether to go to my wrist so that when I shuck that thing off to be able to grab my gun, that my mittens not going to fall down the hill. So yeah, I look like, the I look, look like the kid in the Christmas story, but what I really like is fingerless wool gloves and then being able to put big, big fleece mittens over the top. And then I can withstand, you know, any temperature. And that's what I'm snowmobiling in. That's what I'm riding my snow bike in. When I'm trapping in the winter time, um, of course, when I'm actually setting traps, I switch to like a like a, a wool glove that has rubberized palms, so that I'm not putting my scent down as much on the traps. But um, everything in between, I'm I'm with you on the mittens, but I definitely feel a little bit ridiculous, especially with like the tethers going to my wrist. You know, I feel like a freaking dork, but uh, it is functional and uh, form follows function.
1: Yeah, but I mean, little things like a tether, like you don't understand how important that is until you take it off and it just goes sliding down a ravine and you're just looking at your buddy like, son of a cat, <laughs> you got to go down and get it. You're like, look at you're like, these have tethers on them? Oh, 100% buying these. And then, you know, so people look at you like, why do you have those things like, tethered to you or dummy corded as, you know, the Marine Corps saying? like well tell you, you've lost a pair they fall off besides a creek and one goes floating down then you're running down to try to get ahead of it and scoop it out of a creek didn't go with the tether port part so i get it man completely i'm just glad somebody's got my back on the mitten thing
0: yeah you know i don't know if, if i'll totally back you up on the white claws but um mittens for sure and when i wad up my snow bike or snowmobile and and yard sale stuff everywhere. I don't want to dig around in the snow and try and find my mitten. You know, I want it to be still attached to me when the dust settles and hats, man, like I can make it through the whole year wearing either a trucker's cap or a fleece beanie. So I'm with you there. I think that, that, uh, that those will get me through all the conditions that I'm ever out in. I don't think I've ever worn a rain hat. No, no, I'd pull my hood up, you know, that's what a hood is for. So, Mm -hmm. well, so I think with the stuff we've talked about, so if you've got a lightweight pant, a little bit heavier pant, a poly shirt, a Merino shirt, a grid fleece, a puffy, and then a weather, weather barrier jacket on top of that, you've got a ball cap, you've got a beanie, you've got fingerless gloves that you can operate with or, or glove mitten combinations that you can expose your fingers. Um, and then. You know, a bigger mitten type glove to go over the top of it, like that can take you everywhere from one hundred degrees to twenty below zero, and you you can hunt in it.
1: And that's honestly it, and that's all you really need. I mean, obviously, especially for you know the guys that are just getting into it, or you know, I see these these young kids and they'll they'll post these pictures and just boxes of all this gear. I am like, God, I would never use that. I, I'd never maybe recommend that or I'd recommend this instead. You just need a basic kit to get you that's going to cover from A to Z and everything in between and you're good to go. And, I mean, one thing I think we left out that is a valuable
0: piece of gear is gators. Oh, yeah, for sure. And two different types of gators. Like, you know, if I'm hunting in in shorts or say I'm, I'm out in my trail running shoes early season because I want to be a little bit quieter, I like the shorty gators that just barely go over your ankle. And the rest of the year, man, I pretty much wear gators no matter the conditions um, that go all the way up to my knees. Yeah, I'm a
1: big guy, like a big gator guy. It's one of those deals that I, I just, I'll wear them if it's raining. If, I mean, like you and I did the L cut in August a couple of years ago. I mean, if it wasn't for gators, I mean, all that wheat or whatever the hell we were walking through. I mean, there was just billions of little seeds coming off of that. And, I mean, just bust and brush, or you know, those dewy mornings when you don't want your the bottom of your pant wet, your boots are wet. You know, like it's just a great piece of tool that I think is is definitely overlooked for guys that don't normally run them or have never just tried it. So it was it was one of those things I got turned on to because I mean, I was just I was miserable on a hunt, and we were doing a mountain lion hunt one year, and I just didn't I was not a big gator guy at the point thank God my buddy that I was with had an extra set and it it sold me on him after the first day. I mean, it was just a lifesaver for me. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big gator fan. That, that would probably be the last thing on my list. The top, like what we've talked about over is a good set of gators.
0: One thing that I'll add that I really look for in, in pants, whether it's archery season or, or whether I'm trapping or rifle season or whatever, I want knee pads, man. I shoot so much better. If I have to shoot off of a knee and my knee is comfortable and I don't have pine cone or rock jabbing into my kneecap. If I have to get down on my knees and and look for elk or shoot off my knees or whatever, dude, knee pads make all the difference in the world. And I just did a 50 mile hike through the largest wilderness area in Oregon. And I wore tactical pants that had 16 pockets in them and knee pads And obviously not the ideal pant for that kind of thing, but it worked fine. I didn't have any rub spots. It wasn't a big deal. And the times that I had to like get down on my knees and crawl under logs and stuff where that would have normally been a lot more miserable, it helped me. And I, I want knee pads on pretty much any pant that I hunt with if I can get them. It's definitely one of those
1: nice things. I mean, and now now I remember when knee pads were just coming out, there were these big bulky foam pads. And now it's like they're almost down to pretty much like a neoprene cutout, like super thin It's just enough to get that rock out of your bedded out of your kneecap you know so they've, they've definitely come a long way in the last couple of years i'm i'm a fan of them i don't rock it on all my pants but definitely like earlier season when you know you're going to be you know spot and stock antelope when you're going to be crawling half the day or even just muleys like that's, that's that, knee pads are definitely a, can be a lifesaver that's for sure
0: i wouldn't mind seeing a shirt that had some elbow pads for those long belly crawls too like that i feel like you'd be a lot more effective if you had some protection on your elbows.
1: Yep. I, I did a three, three and a half hour crawl on our face last year to kill Amelia with a client. And for like the a week after that, my elbows were so raw. I mean, they were just scabbed up for, you know, a week or two. It was, it was horrible. And that's one of the things I was like, man, if these things. But I mean, you got to be prepared for that. I, you know, I had a, like one of our light polyester shirts on, but Um, yeah, it would have been nice to be able to have some elbow pads on that one. I mean, we literally crawled for, we crawled for, uh, just about a half mile, I would say for about three and a half hours. It took us, it was just complete flat cut wheat field, but I mean, we got in and we killed it, but yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like, I could have really used an elbow pad on this one.
0: And, and for those folks who, uh, who are not following you yet, you as a guide got clients more giant mule deer bucks and anybody else in the country last year, I was so impressed with the deer that you were able to turn off and stuff like that. Like who's actually going to call, crawl three and a half hours with, uh, with a client, you know, that's asking a huge amount of anybody, but because you're willing to do stuff like that and you've got gear that can help you and the mindset to do it no matter what, like you make it happen. And the results were magnificent
1: well thanks man i i appreciate it and it's like it's one of those things i have so much pride in you know like if i take it so personal if a client doesn't tag out you know and it's it's just one of those things and i love i absolutely love finding and killing big muleys and you know i mean obviously we're not you know but if anybody's claiming to be 100 percent on deer and elk hunter it's a high fence you know so it's definitely it's definitely one of those things we can't get it done all the time but i mean for the, the, the guys that I work with in the outfit, I mean, it's, it's definitely top notch and, and to be able to have the right gear and equipment, it all helps, you know, but then, you know, it also helps when clients come out prepared. That's another big thing. You know, a lot of guys, I'll reach out to them ahead of time and be like, Hey, this is, this is what we're expecting. Like, this is what I want you to have. And this is a, your, here's your gear list. And, you know, and, and that helps out a lot when they show up with proper gear. I mean, I've had guys show up with, we're doing spot stock mule deer hunts on two hundred and ten, two hundred twenty inch deer, and they're wearing snake boots because they're from Florida, and it's like the loudest thing in the world. And they didn't listen to what we had to say, and it just damn near made things impossible. But we still get it done. But yeah, definitely when it comes to that kind of stuff, having the right gear and you know and. and just, I just have the passion for it. You know, I absolutely love it. And that helps a lot. Like not, a, I don't think a lot of guides are going to drag their client three and a half hours through a field. And I mean, and on top of it, it was 90 degrees that day. I mean, it was, it was horrible, but it, we got it done. It was, a, it was a really good bug.
0: You know, you, you bring up an next interesting point there. And that's the, that I think a lot of clients are somewhat afraid to ask their guide what they should bring. Um, and like, they want to, magically get all the right stuff and, and just show up looking like they know what they're doing. But I'm much more, I guess, flattered or, or interested in a client that that asks, because I, I am the expert in the area that I'm guiding in. And that's the reason that I'm the, that's my profession. So just ask me, what should I be bringing? And like, I'm going on a mountain goat hunt this fall. And I've asked the guide like three times, Hey, you know, is this, kind of kit that i should have what do you think of this you know is this going to work because he's the expert in it um and just because we're like i'm a guide too. That this is my profession but i haven't hunted that area i don't know that vegetation i don't know those weather systems i don't know the physical exertion how much we're going to be going and stopping like just ask your guide is going to love it if you just ask him
1: i would prefer i would prefer every one of my clients to, to hit me up and be like, Hey man, here's my week. What do you recommend? I would sit every one of them down and be like, here's a gear list, you know, and anybody listening, if you have questions on any spring bear hunts or fall deer elk, like I'm not an expert in elk by any means. I, I know how to get into elk country, but I am horrible at killing them. But it is just one of those things like, you know, I spend a lot of time in the mountains so when it comes to gear wise, like I can line any, anybody out when it comes to that stuff. And it's, and I've talked to guys and I'll overhear these guys talk and they're like, Man, I bought this jacket for six hundred dollars and I'm like, I bet you my hundred dollar fleece will do just as much that if you layer it right it all comes down to layering and, and knowing, you know, the conditions and things like that. But back to the guide thing, like I, I'm a hundred percent I love when my clients reach out, they're like, Hey, this these are my calibers, what do you what what should I bring? You know, and it's like, well, you know, one, obviously the most comfortable rifle that you're your most the rifle you're most comfortable with but like this is what i we run into and especially out in eastern colorado i mean it'll literally be 85 90 degrees one day and the next day it's negative 15 degrees and it's like a, a sleet storm you know so i always carry a little bit of extra gear for my clients just in case that happens and they end up somehow falling and getting wet or something you don't have to head back to town but um you know it's it's i re- i honestly when they reach out i don't ever look at it like oh god this guy's this guy has no idea. You know, I've had some of the most experienced hunters in the world. They come out and hunt with us and they'll ask us questions and recommendations. And I'm just like, I, it honestly is like a sigh of relief. As long as they listen, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like this is what I recommend. And it definitely, I, if so, if anybody listens, you're going to go on hunts reach out to your outfit or you can reach out to james or i i guess and we'll point you in the direction as much as possible but yeah i don't ever nobody should be shy about asking questions at all that's that's when you end up buying overpaying for gear buying things you don't need and you probably don't have the proper you know equipment to, to begin with so i just I'm, I'm i have no shame in asking man i'll go places and be like hey like what's it, what's it like what do i need boot wise? Is, is it rocky and i just want the layout you know i don't know that's why guys go on hunts and that's why guys book with guides because we know the area and we're the professionals in that area. And so, you know, that's, that's what we're there to do and help you along the way. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, man, I really appreciate your time. And, uh, and I think that we kind of did a a pretty okay job of laying out sort of how simple this can be. And if people do want to get a hold of you, where's the best place to do that?
1: You just shoot me a message on Instagram. It's just bam, bam, zero, zero, six, nine. You just, send anybody my way, man. I'll help them out. And, you know, guys want to go and have fun and look for, for cool vetted outfits. I mean, uh, you, between you and I, I'm sure we could point guys in the right direction for a lot of things. So.
0: Yep. And, uh, I, I know this to be true that you will absolutely answer everybody who asks a question and you take a lot of your personal time doing that. And, uh, it means a lot. You set a very good example for the rest of us by doing that. And I appreciate it
1: no i appreciate it man And it's like it just comes down to I like i've looked up to so many people and and reached out to them and they just they'll blow you off and i mean obviously i try to get to every single person it's a legitimate question and, and take my time because there's been so many times where i was struggling in areas or or needed advice and i reached out to the guys that i looked up to and they didn't even take the time to answer a question to me and so i i, I always told myself man if i can help anybody in any way i, I always would like nobody i look at everybody everyone's equal you know so if you guys got any questions just feel free to answer i'll hit me up with any questions and I'll, I'll help out as much as i can
0: all right brother well i appreciate your time and i'll catch you later yeah buddy be safe
1: man we'll see you soon
0: thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed the show this episode was edited by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Artwork for the Six Ranch podcast was created by John Chatterlin and digitized by Celia Christofferson. If you enjoyed the show, I encourage you to share it with a friend and subscribe. You can find photos and more content on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.